Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dumb and Dumbest Podcast. It's a music industry podcast where everything is terrible and the house is on fire. I'm Matt Bacon here with my beautiful co-host, as always, Curtis Dewar, hosted on the magical Ghost Cult Magazine. And our special guest today is Ryan Williams of Metal Blade Records. Say hello, Ryan. Hello. How's it going? How are you doing today? Doing good. Very good. So we literally just had this conversation off the air. Ryan... Just for our average lay musician listener, what do you do at Metal Blade? Uh, I do a lot of the day-to-day social media management at Metal Blade. Um, You know, not only our own socials, but also kind of helping bands figure out what to post and when to post a lot of the same stuff you guys talk about. Um, And even sometimes just straight up taking over their socials if they don't have the ability or time to do it so a lot of that as well as like I was telling you before we we all wear a lot of different hats I do some some A&R some product managing and a bunch of different stuff there as as is the case now I think with everyone's job we all kind of have to be able to be versatile and do a lot of different stuff so yeah Mm -hmm. how many bands do you actually have to do the social media for separate from the metal actual metal blade stuff just out of curiosity it depends. Usually it's only a few at a time. Um, if there's some big upcoming releases, um, I'll kind of like jump on um, those bands. Like if they, if whatever the window is for the next few months, I'll be focusing on either just collaborating with whoever's managing them or straight up posting for them and helping them post. So it's anywhere from, I mean, if I look at my Twitter login and see which, which I, which, uh, you know, bands I'm logged into it's probably about a dozen at a time but I wouldn't say I'm doing that many all the time you know wow that's a lot <laughs> yeah <laughs> now Matt before you ask any other questions I just had one more question if I can, can jump in is that mainly just Twitter that you're handling for the bands or is it oh no it's it's Instagram it's Facebook I mean I'm sure as you guys know like a lot of uh, a lot of the stuff on Facebook now is uploading native videos and making sure they're cross-posted everywhere yeah it's a lot of that kind of stuff um, or even just sending around assets, making sure everyone has, you know, the vertical video for their new, for their new video that just came out or just organizing that kind of stuff too, you know? Absolutely. Cool. So give us like comic book zero. Like how did you get into this? The origin story? Yeah. Well, uh, I started just playing in, I'm from Northern Michigan. I started playing in local bands, uh, you know, as a teenager, um, I graduated high school in 1999 and, uh, immediately moved from the small town. I was in Northern Michigan to Detroit to be in a, a different local band that had invited me to play bass for them after having networked in, in the Northern Michigan scene for a long time. I was kind of known as a bass player, I guess. So, I packed up all my stuff and, and moved to Ypsilanti and, and played in this local band. Uh, I ended up going to recording school in the Detroit area at a place called um, the Recording Institute of Detroit, where I learned engineering, recording, all that side. Uh, started recording bands. I ended up getting a job at a studio called Cloud City Studios in Detroit, yeah. which, was, which was Mike Hasty's studio from the band Walls of Jericho. So... That was a cool situation. We were at uh, basically a lockout with like 60 different rooms where basically all the bands in Detroit had a a practice space. So we would get just a ton of business from that. So I just jumped right into recording a ton of bands Uh, that led to actually meeting the Black Dahlia murder. And I was about to ask about that. (laughs) Yeah. So that's how I met them is, is from actually recording their first 
uh, album Unhallowed. So got to know them really well doing that. And at the same time, I was filling in for the band Walls of Jericho. Their bass player had a kid, didn't want to do so much touring. So I, I picked up, I, the first time I really did real touring was with Walls of Jericho. I went to Europe, got to see how that world was working. This is around 2003, 2004. Um, got to do a bunch of tours with them, which was great. Got to really get my feet wet and figure out how touring really was. And the next thing I knew, I got a call from Brian um, inviting me to go uh, to Japan with them and play bass for the Black Dahlia Murder. They had just kicked out their drummer and their bass player. Mm-hmm. And I was I was floored. I was not a good enough bass player at that point to even be considering playing that music. So I went for the next month. I had a month to prepare. I went into like insane practice mode to learn all their songs and get my chops up to that level. And spent <laughs> the next six years uh, in that band did the, did three albums with them and, uh, yeah, still produce them to this day. And yeah, it's just, it's been a crazy ride. There, yeah. And there, so Trevor is someone who comes up a fair amount on this podcast because he's, he's a buddy and also just, he's, um, he's so good at what he does on socials. A hundred percent. Yeah. So I was just kind of like, wanted to kind of dig into that but i guess kind of more specifically so you're in black dahlia murder they're signed to metal blade how did you end up get getting hired by metal blade uh after i left the band i was living in la i was trying to just kind of make it as a engineer and producer that was more difficult than i was anticipating um just you know at that time bands didn't really have budget i was kind of like what year is this this is uh 2012 okay and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm recording some bands. I'm doing some production here and there. I did Alter Beast's first album. I did a couple records, but it wasn't really paying the bills. So I had known Vince uh, from being in the band and I just, I had sent him an email and I was like, hey man, I was wondering if uh, Metal Blade had any open slots and they needed help uh, doing socials and some stuff and got sucked into that. And that's what I've been doing ever since pretty much. I, I still do recording and production and mastering and mixing on the side too. Mm-hmm. It's kind of my side hustle, but yeah. Did you know social media before you got into it with metal? Blade? Not, like, were you- not really. I mean, I, you know, I was on Twitter. I was, you know, I had a Facebook page for my recording stuff, but I was not deep in. So I really got, I got my training kind of from Vince, you know, he's, he's kind of the expert there and, and uh, yeah. So you didn't have to do like a long certification process or anything to work there? No, no. I, they already knew me from being in the band and it was a real easy process of just uh, getting in and starting to do it every day and learning as I went and, you know, just watching kind of the engagement and watching the impressions and a lot of trial and error and seeing what works and revising all the time and seeing what the new platforms are and, you know, are we going to get on Snapchat? Are we going to worry about Instagram TV? Like just kind of rolling with it as it goes. And as you guys know, it's always changing and Definitely. trying to keep up. Which, yeah. what, is, what is the key platform you'd say, would you say for Metal Blade to be for promoting its band? I think it's, it's equally split right now um, between Instagram, uh, Facebook, and Twitter. I mean, the, the basic main ones, you know, I think Instagram is kind of still growing and I'm, I'm focusing a lot there. Um, Facebook, you know, as you know, like the young people aren't there anymore, um, but it's still important. It's still reach, you know, and all this stuff came out about, you know, 50% of the users not even being real, but it's like 
as much as I hate Facebook and want to ignore it, it's it's something I don't think you can ignore yet at this point. Yeah. Um, it's like all 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 the all the old heads are there, not on Instagram. Right, and Metal Blade has you know been around for thirty five years. We have a lot of older people that are yeah a lot of legacy bands. Um, so definitely can't ignore it. But definitely, you know, the people that are buying music that are really supporting bands are young people, and they're on Instagram. So you have to do everything. And I think Twitter is still very relevant too. So, and I do some stuff on Snapchat too. I don't, you know, it's not the biggest place for us, but I think you kind of have to be there too. I don't know if it's going to go away or Instagram kind of stole their thunder with the stories and everything, but. Is there a lot of followers on Snapchat? I've never really used it. I'm just curious, like how many people actually follow the label on Snapchat? I'd have to look. I don't think they even give you a number. They don't, oh. they don't give you hard numbers. I think it's, it's moderate. It's, it's definitely not our biggest platform by any means. But it's big enough that you, to post. Yeah. It's really just because there's people there and I don't want to ignore it, you know? Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Now, for, now for, uh, out of the three platforms that you mentioned, like wh which one do you, would you say is like the absolute tippity top best for engagement for you guys? Probably Instagram, I guess. Um, oh, okay. It depends. Sometimes things will go. It's hard to tell what's going to catch. Sometimes a video will catch on Facebook and get a lot of shares and a lot of uh, impressions. Same thing with Twitter. Sometimes you'll do a, even just like a live couple live shots from Cannibal Corpse on Twitter will get, you know, RT'd a bunch and, and take off. It, it really depends. But yeah, probably Instagram right now. What do you consider successful numbers on, on for your posts, like as a general rule? Um, it's tough, man. On Facebook right now, it, I mean, they've really been killing uh, the reach unless you're paying for stuff. So, I mean, yeah. if I get, if I get 10,000 people reached on a, just a regular post on Facebook, I'm happy. Um, if I what, get, how many likes is, do you guys have on Facebook? Just out of curiosity when you say that, uh, 750 K. Okay, cool. Just trying so to get under, the numbers in my head. How, what, what, what are you talking about? Okay, cool. Yeah, so if I get engagement anywhere around 10%, I'm pretty much thrilled. Um, as far as Instagram, it really depends. Uh, let me look at like a recent post here. Um, let's see. Like a good post on Instagram. Let's see. This cannibal one did really well. Uh, so... 45k uh, impressions on Instagram wow. is pretty good. And you guys have how many followers on Instagram? Roughly? Instagram is oh, 264. 264k. Yeah. Cool. Those are decent numbers. <laughs> it's decent, but we're always trying to grow, and you know, comparing ourselves to other labels and stuff like that. We're compared to other, label, other labels, we're doing pretty good. We try to get in early on all these things and grow them, but we could always do yeah. better. Yeah. I, I, I definitely mine you for details for the prophecy and ripple uh, social media pages. Oh, cool. <laughs> but um, so a couple points I wanted to dig into. Sure. Um, primarily. So we wanted to talk, you've been placing a lot of focus on live streams lately. Talk to yeah. me about this. Well, I think right now we're, we're really trying to get bands engaged on things like Twitch, uh, even yeah. things like YouTube live streaming. Um, I mean, recently we, we work with Dragon Force and Herman Lee is like a genius on his Twitch. If, you, if you're in a band and you want to figure out what you should be doing on Twitch or how you can get basically free engagement and go check out Herman Lee's Twitch channel. 
he is, he's been there for like eight months. He's absolutely crushing it. Um, he's already making as a Twitch affiliate, I think something like into the thousands of dollars a month. Wow. Um, shit. yeah. And he basically just live streams himself practicing. Um, he's got 26,000 followers, but I mean, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a hard example because Dragon Force is obviously a, already a really established band. Yeah. Um, his fans are really engaged. Um, they've got people in the band that speak French, that speak Mandarin, so they can actually like do yeah. native posts in these territories that a lot of people are ignoring. Um, but yeah. like, for, for example, he just did a live stream with Tosin from uh, Animals as Leaders. It's got 7.2K views, but it was absolutely nuts when it was live. Um, he's a Twitch affiliate, which basically means that you can, as a Twitch viewer, you can subscribe to his channel and then you get all these kind of like digital goods that you can use to basically kind of tip during the live stream. And you see all these little crazy emojis fly out and you're basically just like participating in the live stream by supporting him and supporting the channel. Mm -hmm. um, it's like, it's like you're gonna be practicing for tour or for a new record anyway. Like you might as well be live streaming and engaging your fans and having a good time. No, um, it's it's really something that I think a lot of people are missing out on and could be taking advantage of. Even if you don't want to play music on it, I mean, play a video game, talk to your fans, you know, do something else. If you're good at something, teach something. I mean, Twitch is really also trying to focus a lot on other things besides just video game streaming. They want people to come on there and play music and yeah. do their art or whatever it happens to be. So, and you can do the same thing on YouTube and have a Patreon. Um, you know, I think that as a, as a label, we're trying to really get our artists to focus on alternative revenue streams because it's tough out there. I mean, streaming is coming on um, <clears throat> with really starting to make some real revenue for people. Um, mm -hmm. And that's cool and it's growing. So there is more money coming in through streaming, which is cool. But, you know, a lot of bands that don't stream very much, it's still not that much money. So having a Patreon or a Twitch or something else that can generate revenue for you is, is super important for uh, long-lasting bands and making money and staying afloat, you know? Yeah. So two questions. So first, I mean, one's not a question. One's just an aside for listeners. Sure. Um, Matt Heffy from Trivium is also yes. really good at live streaming. Uh, perfect example, yes. Um, so, yeah, to, to, just if you need someone else to steal ideas from. Correct. Um, but the point being, more accurately, with regards to what you're saying, now you're saying you were pre you're pushing your artists to get alternative income streams. Are Absolutely. you, is Metal Blade touching anything from that or no? No, not at all. That's 100% them. Um, you know, we don't, we don't do these 360 deals or any of this like take yeah. your touring or, you know, we want we want the bands to be successful and we want them to make money so they can have long careers i mean that's that's what we're about is building bands not not trying to fleece them for every dollar you know so yeah no and i yeah and i wanted to just clarify that just because i think and i was curious for your stance on this too is there's sort of this ongoing historic narrative of labels being evil and yeah. and i feel like that i feel like that's a misrepresentation how do you feel about that I mean, it is and it isn't. I mean, some labels do scummy things and just are out there, um, you know, sure. not paying their bands royalties or taking advantage of them or doing 360 deals or, you know, uh, it definitely happens. But, you know, I think that, you know, Metal Blade is still an independent label. We really, like I said, we care about the artists. We want them to succeed. And um, 
yeah, I, I get why people have that impression. And, you know, especially now, you know, everything's changing and, you know, our record label still is relevant. All these kind of questions are valid. Um, but I think there's still a lot that uh, a record label can do for you. And, but again, you have to be wary. You have to look at your contract. You have to know what you're signing. You have to, you know, try to keep as much of your digital revenue as possible, stuff like that. I mean, it's still, still can be a confrontational thing, but I think it's more, we look at it more of a, as a partnership and, you yeah. know, really just want everyone to succeed. I have another question about your social media. How, how many times per day do you guys post on across your platforms? Uh, let's see. I'm going to say Facebook probably three to four times a day. Um, Instagram, maybe just once or twice, depending what's going on. Uh, Twitter kind of varies by, by what's happening again, maybe like 10 to 12 times a day. Um, that's, that's just for the label, not for each band, correct? Correct. Yes. Just trying to make sure. And do you, do you notice that you get more interaction, the more, more you post or less? It depends. For a long time, I think I was overposting and that kind of ends up, you know, like balancing the algorithm against you. So they kind of show your posts less. Yeah. Um, I think you're much better off doing a few posts that are really good and engaging rather than just shitting out stuff every five minutes and clogging up the feed. Yeah, I think there's I think there's a definitely a balance you need to do between too much and too little. Totally. Yeah. And I'm, I'm still trying to find that. And, you know, since all these, all these social media platforms, algorithms are basically black boxes that no one really knows what's going on in there. It's kind of a guessing game and just a trial and error a lot of times and see what, see what helps you and see what hurts you. And there's no real hard science to it. But uh, like you guys talk about quality content, quality posting, you know, not if like, for example, like I like what you've said before, like, just maybe pick two platforms and really do a good job there. But if you're, if you're going to have a Twitter just to have it and you're going to post Facebook links there without any images and just do a really crappy job, don't even be on it. I'd rather see a band Definitely. focus on one and do a good job than just have a bunch of crap, you know? Well, yeah. That, yeah, that's the thing is if it's not formatted for the platform, you're just wasting your time. 100%. Yeah, and it drives everybody nuts because nobody 100%. wants to even nobody wants to even follow you when they they see that you're just linking to Instagram from your Twitter. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I'd rather not even have you there. So, because I really like Twitter, I think it's a great platform if you use it properly. It's an amazing platform. That's that's the best platform in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Matt Matt's always on Instagram though, but um, I get it. Get better at Twitter. You are I get getting it. better at Twitter. <laughs> um, point being, so. Okay, so so there's sort of this famous kind of I've read it, but it's kind of secret, like the book of the blade. Yeah, right, where you kind of it's like a, a I'd essentially call it like a marketing book for bands. Yeah, it's kind of a uh, what we expect from bands and and kind of a rundown of like the con- how it works. Yeah, how it works, what we want from them, what we expect from them, like just basic stuff, like hey, if you have a tour coming up, send us the dates you know, send us the ad mats, like just reminders like that. So everyone kind of has a list of what you should be doing, uh, what we expect from you and things that are going to help you. So what are, so, okay. So I guess my two questions with that are, what are the, what are the things you, what are the things that a major metal label expects from their bands? First of all. Um, I mean, really it's, it, it varies a lot from band to band. We have bands that are like 
not very active smaller bands that just do kind of runs when they can and do albums whenever they feel like it all the way to you know a monomarth behemoth black dahlia murder that are extremely well-oiled like machines of touring and putting out albums so it does vary a lot but i think the things that we that we expect are you know you're going to make an album uh you're going to deliver it on time professionally you're going to do some touring to promote it you're going to be on social media promoting it you're going to be doing the things that are easy to do and free um and if you're not there that's a problem if you're not if you're not at least trying and at least doing the basic things like that's that's going to be an issue so it's really just all the stuff you guys talk about like just being active being engaged um just just putting out effort i mean that's really it now i have a question about signings though now do you guys automatically check the social media stats of a band before you guys will sign them as a general rule 100 percent 100 percent. i usually honestly listen to a lot of the demos that come in yeah. um you know the first thing that i look for is is it a good recording like at, in this day and age it's almost yeah. unacceptable to have a totally shit recording yeah. um i understand like if you're black metal or if you're in like a scene where you know really crisp and clean recording is not part of that aesthetic like okay then that's a little bit different but you yeah. basically have to have a good recording um if it gets past that and i like the music and everything the next thing we check is is your social media are you active on at least two do you have at least a few thousand or a few hundred people following you are you posting you know every week hopefully every day um and then from there are you trying to at least tour are you doing local shows at least you know i don't care if you opened for lamb of god one time i want to see that you're out networking um you know giving other bands in your scene shine um and really just at least trying on your own to get out there as much as you can you don't have to be doing world tours and selling millions of albums but it's again about effort yeah now do you guys are you guys more inclined to sign somebody that's already done uh some releases with a smaller label or does that not matter as long as they've shown that they got skin in the game I don't think it matters. Um, you know, if the material's good and you're you're hardworking, it doesn't really make that big of a difference. Okay. Well, Matt was going to say something. I'm going. I was interrupted. I'm sorry. Okay. So I, I had this conversation the other day because now that we're talking about signing strategy, it's like, what is the number one thing? But like, you know, Vin, uh, Vince from Metal Sucks always talks about how like a lot of bands are good but don't have that. It. It's, yeah yeah i mean that's kind of <laughs> that's a really good point you can be you can check all those boxes that i mentioned and have a good recording and be working but if you don't have that like x factor of holy shit this is something new you're bringing something new to the table or you're making me really go holy fuck this is a good song that i want to hear again um you know it's tough man there's a lot of competition there's a ton of bands and a lot of people are doing similar stuff like, oh, we're a, we're a death, we're a technical death metal band. And, you know, we got our chops and this and that. But if you don't have that one thing that grabs me, it's, it's not going to go anywhere. You know, it's tough to define what that even is. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to ask is how do you get grabbed? Fuck, man. I think it's I think it's songwriting. I think it's for me it's kind of creativity and uniqueness and, and like having something that maybe I haven't heard before or an element that's different. There's a lot of bands that sound the same out there. And if you can kind of separate yourself 
in one aspect or another, whether it's like a great lead guitar player or just like a stellar song that like is just written like really succinctly and well, um, short songs or something I look for. I know you've, you've had an episode about writing yeah. short songs. Um, it's, it's hard to sit down and get through a seven minute song. It just it is. is. And yeah. you know, if, if you have a short song with like a verse chorus structure that really like, really is catchy that goes a long way as, as, as much as that sucks. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's a question cause I, cause I think about this with prophecy a lot cause prophecy is more of an artsy fartsy label than metal. Uh-huh. Grade. uh-huh. Um, you know, and I think it's just a question of like, cause like I do get things where it's like the 70 minute concept album, which is like yeah. not good because I, no one's putting out a double LP for your first record. Right. Um, but like, it's almost like if it if it's really that good it'll get put out but it's probably not as good as you think it is yeah well you know i say that i like um short songs too but we do have bands like downfall of gaia or who are fantastic and they'll bury you out there if these trees could talk like instrumental songs that are like long and and winding and so it's not like a hard and fast rule of course if your music is good, um, it's good. And if that's your vision, then go for it. You know, I wouldn't say you have to be you. That's another thing, you know, for the socials. It's like being your authentic self and not trying to do what you think is going to get you signed is always better, you know, so. Absolutely. And I think, I think Downfall of Gaia are a really great example of a very um, on paper, not very signable band. Totally. Who... Yeah are actually just truly in my eyes, a top three post black metal band in the world who own, or at least top three only screamed vocals, black metal band. And that's one of the things I, I really do love about metal blade is it really comes down to the end of the day. Like does do the people working there like it? Does Brian Slagle like it? And sometimes, you know, you can forego all of these things that, you might think you need to check off if you have a really great album. That's still the most important thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Just as we head towards the end, why do you think, and if you don't have an answer, you don't have to have an answer. This is kind of a weird question. Okay. Why do you think, what, is there something about Brian Slagle in your experience that has made him able to be Brian Slagle, like this weird, insane metal inventing A&R legend? I mean, it sounds cliche, man, but he really just loves music. He just loves metal. He's, he's a really true, to this day, metal fan. It's not, it's, you know, yeah, it's a business and yeah, it's, it's this and that, but at the end of the day, he really loves it. And I mean, I know that's cliche, but that's really it, man. When you really love what you're doing and you're really passionate about it and you really care and you really want to be, go to these shows and be flying here and flying there and checking out new bands and, you know, supporting this and picking singles for a Monomarth. And, you know, when when you really love doing that, it, it makes a big difference. So I, I think that would be it. Very well put. I have one more question before you before you end off, Matt, which is I want to ask about websites. Do you think it's important for bands to have websites still or no? 
I think it, I think it's good. I think for the amount of cost that it, if you're like a mid level to big band, absolutely. Uh, if you're a small band, that's just kind of barely paying the bills. You could probably skip it, but I'd like to see it rather than not. I think it's a good thing to be able to link to, to have your tour dates, to have all your, your buy links in one place. Like, you know, we have landing pages for all the bands as well. And, you know, social media kind of works as that same thing, but it's a good look. It, it is. I like to see it. So. So the, the, does that influence your decision on whether to sign a band? Like if their social media was all good, but then they had no website or a shit website, you would, would that influence it up? I, I don't think it would really influence it that much if they're a small band. Um, cool. It's just, to me, it's a bonus, but yeah. Cool. Interesting. What, um, something I recommend to bands, and I just want to get this on record because I'm pretty sure I know what you'll answer. You know, um, is that I always say, look, if you don't want to pay the $250 or whatever for a good website, just get your, your band name, like your band name.com mm -hmm. for the $10 a year and have that go to your band camp. Yeah. Why not? Or even just get a simple landing page that costs like what, 20 bucks a month or something. Well, I'm, I'm not a web designer, but I know that you can kind of go in and just like, Do you know, easily. you can, you can easily have a one page thing that you kind of source the code from somewhere else yeah and, totally yeah you know it's not that hard to figure out with a day of googling and really trying you could probably have a easy one-page website up you know absolutely definitely um now as we head towards the end um what are you most excited about on metal blade these days um actually a band that i i kind of got signed um called fractal universe from france i'm really oh, excited. yeah fantastic band about their new album. Um, that's one that I really kind of personally brought on board and pushed for. So that's always nice to see when, when it works out and people are, are liking it. Um, the band Igor from, uh, from France also is, is really cool. Again, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I've always kind of liked um, the taste of metal blade. So I'm, I'm pretty much a fan of all the bands we have. Um, but yeah, those two are kind of ones that really get me excited these days. Cool. Absolutely. Um, anyway, so, okay, so actually, so just before we get to final plugs, how do you, how do you describe the taste of Metal Blade? I don't know. I would say, like, just polished metal from pretty much all genres, from traditional to forward-thinking technical death metal to melodic death metal. I mean, I'm more on the death metal side, but we also have a lot of people especially in Europe that are like really focused on traditional metal and that classic sound. So I think we kind of have a pretty widespread around the gimmick. Um, it's just, it's just stuff we like. I mean, I know yeah. that sounds, that sounds easy, but it's just stuff that Brian and the rest of the people working at the, at the label like, and it just kind of, it has a certain aesthetic and it has a certain quality. You know? Awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. So as we wrap up, uh, what do we have to plug? Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's augmented Ryan, uh, same thing on Instagram. I uh, also have a Facebook page for my recording stuff called augmented audio. You can look that up. If you are in a band, I do really reasonably priced mastering and mixing. So if you ever need some of that stuff, uh, check me out. And other than that, follow metal blade everywhere and, uh, subscribe to our YouTube and yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. This has been dumb and dumbest. Thank you for listening. Are we done yet? Everything is terrible